0: Amen. Thank you again to our worship team uh, for using their gifts uh, to at least uh, get us headed in worship or lead us to worship. Uh, it is good to be back up here. Uh, thank y'all uh, for being here. Uh, first thing I would like to say is uh, is yes, to thank the congregation because to have uh, the time period that we had off uh, over the summer uh, was really a gift, and we recognize that Uh, And it was a time of renewal for our family, uh, for what I believe is what and where God's called me in ministry. Uh, And my hope and prayer is that it leads to further renewal uh, in the life of the ministry of this church, which would include you. But we'll be getting into that. Uh, I do want to thank again uh, Chris Kellum, David Carroll. I think we have great uh, elders um, I'm a clapper, so I like to clap, thank them for, uh, really leading, and it's not just Sunday mornings, uh, they did a lot that, uh, a lot of y'all probably did not see. And, uh, also thank them again, they didn't contact me, uh, once. So, anyway, that was, uh, very grateful for that, too. Also am thankful that the church, uh, was really the church. You know, we had, uh, actually a lot go on this summer. Uh, we, uh lost loved ones, uh, and this church was the church. Uh, We were engaged in ministry here on this corner uh, and in these neighborhoods and around the world, Uh, and this church was the church. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's not the end. There is always more to grow, and uh, that's what we're going to start talking about. Hey, one thing I would say, you know, I realized this summer time travel is actually possible. Do you know that? Time travel is actually possible. Moody, good to see you all down front, first row. Time travel is possible. When you say, um, I'm going to turn my phone off uh, for a long period of time, not just like a night, but if you turn your phone off for three months, so no texting, uh, no social media, uh, no, uh, really no screen time except uh, going onto my wife's computer and checking ESPN for baseball scores, but if you want to go back in time and like feel 1993, just do that, okay? And uh, I will say that's probably one of the best things, top three things uh, that I did uh, was I went back in time, and uh, it, uh, I think I'm going to do it more. So that being said, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, i love to see some of you already have your Bibles. If you do not, there should be Bibles in the back. I had not really checked recently, but uh, there are Bibles in the back. Uh, Romans 12. Uh, Before I get into that, uh, we are starting a series, and it may go on for quite a while. I'll go ahead and tell you. I mean, like, I think we'll probably take a break Thanksgiving for Advent, but uh, this series is going to be called Renew. Simply renew. And the Lord, it's one of the things He convicted me on because uh, we're coming up. uh, Some of you, a few of you know this. a lot of you don't, but 10 years in January was our first Sunday morning worship uh, service as a church. So coming up on, whether you call it 10-year, I don't know, birthday or anniversary, or of what God has done through the ministry uh, of what we happen to name Bellwether Church, but it's His church. And so over the course of this school year, so probably after, starting after Labor Day, Uh, But into May, I'm going to be calling a lot of you. And there's some of you who were there at that first Sunday morning worship service. uh, And then there are others who just started coming here uh, maybe over the last year or even over the summer. Uh, And if you came over the summer, you're like, who are you? But anyway, you'll find out. And so I'm going to be calling on you as members, though, uh, who say this is my home church. This is where I'm I'm rooted down. I'm plugged in uh, to share uh, probably during our connect time, maybe before the sermon, uh, but maybe to a point where we get it like every Sunday, uh, sharing what the Lord has done in your life through the life of the work that he started called Bellwether Church. And let me say this, I, I, if you're interested in doing that, we don't have to be like, I, I said f- clap, you can fake clap, but yeah, we don't have to be fake. You can say, hey, I went through a challenge, I went through a tough time. You can say, hey, I did uh, a mission trip, or hey, I got involved in a ministry here. Or, I, you know, I don't care what it is. Uh, But share, not too long, okay? But I'm going to be asking you to think about that because I'm going to be calling on you uh, as a way that we can celebrate what I would say, seeing a big God, loving the other person, going out to the world. I mean, what the Lord is doing here. And he's doing a great work. I'm, I'm wholly convicted of this. And look, I've been through highs, mountaintop peaks, literally this summer, okay? And I've been through lows of depression. God is always at work. And sometimes he will lead you through. I mean, like depression is not something outside of the world, and then he's going to lead you through it. Sometimes he's going to allow that to happen uh, so that you can grow and the mountaintop experience will be even stronger. Okay? So God's always at work. And you know what? God's going to do what he wants to do with or without this church or with or without any church. That's why any type of service or ministry should be a joy. And if it's becoming a burden, then we need to check ourselves, as I have done. Because God's going to do what he's going to do. I mean, we just get to go along for the ride. Like, you know, we we fool ourselves thinking, man, I'm going to help God out. No. Okay. God's going to get it done. So, uh, that being said, Romans 12. And I'm going to do something different. uh, Literally have never done in 10 years' time. We're going to go very, very slowly through a chapter of the Bible, and this being Romans 12. So we call the series Renew, and we're going to take it verse by verse. So today is Romans 12, verse 1. And and the reason I'm doing this, because also, you're going to hear this a lot, I did something I've never done before. But I did something I've never done before in that I memorized the entire chapter of Romans 12. Now I've memorized Scripture and know Scripture, and you read it, and you're like, I like that verse. But I've never memorized, like, big chunks of the Bible. Uh, and I know people who have. I've just said, man, I just don't want to. I mean, if I'm honest. Oh, and that's another thing. I'm going to, like, are you all okay if I, like, really get real? I mean, if you say no, say no right now. Just say no. Because I mean, you're like, I think you always get No, I don't always get real, okay? I go here, and we're going to start going. and not mean low, but we're going to go a little deeper. Um, you know, huh? Bring it. Bring it. Okay, thanks, Moody. So I say that to say that yeah, I didn't memorize it because I was like, you know, I just don't really want to do that. But memorizing this this chapter, and now I loved it so much, now I'm on Romans 13, 6, and I think I'm going to memorize through chapter 15. It may take me three or four years. But uh, it is, uh, it's changed my life. Uh, and what I, And that's a cliche, okay? But just sitting and like meditating on one verse over and over again and thinking about it and then adding to that another verse and seeing how they connect. Um, And, you know, we talk about rise with God. We've talked about rise with God about a daily time in the Scripture. Uh, This became my rise with God time, just focusing on one verse and sitting there for 20 minutes and saying it over and over and thinking about it, thinking about the words, okay? So I was so convicted that uh, this series with you, we're going to go through verse by verse. And so we may, you know, I may cheat a little bit and do two or three. Uh, but Romans 12, if you don't know it, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's, it's great in that it talks about God, but then it talks about some very, very practical things uh, that can help us, uh, like, give you a little sneak peek towards the end. It says, uh, friends, do get this, do not avenge yourselves. Do not avenge yourselves. Uh, instead... And kind of heavy. Leave room for God's wrath uh, because he says vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Y'all like that? Well, there is a result. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Does that make us feel good, you know? But we're not there yet. That's towards the end of the chapter. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Let's read it one more time, since we just got a verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters... In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. First off, in this verse, whenever Paul says, therefore, uh, it's like, hey, come to attention. Like, this is, this is the real deal. This is most important. Uh, this is what I want you to know. I'm bearing down right here. So, Romans 12 is pretty, pretty important. I mean, the whole Bible is important, but Romans 12 is a big piece. And then he says, and I love this, and I actually meditated about this for days. I mean, I still do. He just says, brothers and sisters. This is not a physical relationship, so biologically, brothers and sisters. Uh, in fact, Paul did not even go to this church. Uh, Peter was known as the pastor, or the first pastor of the church in Rome. Uh, and I don't think he lasted very long. I actually think he didn't really want to be pastor. But Paul calls these uh, believers uh, brothers and sisters. Now then, uh, we, and I give this a lot of, uh, I've, I mean, I've said stuff like this a lot, you know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'd, I'd like us to really, like, think about that, dwell upon that, uh, or do we, do we view ourselves I uh, hear at Bellwether, and also Christians you know uh, that would be active in another church, because if they're Christian, they should be active in another church, like, for real and not faking it, but... I mean, they're Christian. There are people around here that fake it too. But brothers and sisters, do we uh, do we do we act and relate to one another like you would a brother and sister? Now, I don't, I don't have a sister, like biologically. Uh, I've got a brother, uh, but the way I would relate to my brother, uh, it it matters not. You know, if I don't talk to him for three months. Uh, or a year, but when I do talk to them, there's an immediate uh, connection, Uh, there is an immediate closeness, even if I don't want to be close. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like There are things that only we know uh, that no one else in the world will know. It's about our parents, about our upbringing, and about, you know, no one else is going to get there, go there. It's just it's, it's just memories we will have. So at, take that to be a Christian. I mean, do we have those same shared experiences? It's not biological, but it's actually more important. Uh, spiritual. Um, I mean, you could do memories of, of baptisms and ministry, but also just conversations uh, over coffee or dinner or drinks of choice or, and getting close and getting deep. And like being honest and being humble. Uh, do we think of others like that? We do some, but definitely not all Christians that we know. I would admit to that. Uh, do we talk about other Christians? And we all talk about people, unfortunately, as if they were brothers and sisters. Usually we, we, we do some, but others, you know, that we have conflict with, we, we don't and and this is the I think this is probably the I don't know maybe the toughest part down here is do we, do we see other believers and I'm thinking Metro Jackson, you know as like brothers and sisters, or do we really see our own tribe as very tribal and like, you know this is my deal, and oh, this is my family, and I've unfortunately probably built that up a lot where the bellwether family is over and above, and you know I and mean, we are a family, but there's a broader family, and it's the Big C Church. Let me give you an example about this. And just being real, I'm going to name two churches. uh, And they're great. Well, yes, I'll name these two churches. Because someone else said this, and it's a great example. So there's a a guy, a good friend. uh, And, you know, one thing the Lord has blessed uh, my wife and I with and honored us with is we have these deep relationships uh, with people who don't go to church here. um, But either school or, or baseball or sports or something. Uh, and we love it, and, and I think they just came to realize, you know, there's, there's no agenda there. They're not trying to get us to bellwether, and so they become open. And uh, the Lord opens up a lot of doors pastorally, and I'm not their formal pastor, but it's just great, okay? And partly because I try to live by this, the brothers and sisters. But so one of these gentlemen, and he's at a church, and he says, you know, I just want your advice. You know, we got issues at church stuff. And I was like, what's going on? He said, well, you know, one of them is that, you know, we just want, you know, everybody wants so much for the church, but uh, one guy said, he said, you know, we don't know what, we don't know, we don't know whether we want to be Pine Lake uh, or First Pres. And then they're both kicking our tail. And uh, I, now this guy didn't say it. He said, but that was a comment. And y'all should know those churches. And I was like, well, you know, the, my first advice would try to, Get that DNA out of the church. Uh, but generally, it's pretty deep rooted in, in a lot of churches. And, you know, maybe one of my calls to ministry is, is to push or do all I can to push through that. Uh, I hope that DNA is not in our church, but I would be naive to think that it's not because I think we're all selfish. We all are. I mean, I'm, I'm selfish. I'm king. Mr. Self is king. And so I want to build my kingdom. And if we're being honest, you want to build your kingdom, and sometimes church—it's not like this in uh, other places I've been to, but down here, church can be latched on to my kingdom with my family and my like real brothers and sisters and all that. So, you know, what would I say? This guy's like, well, you know, that DNA is, is tough, but you know, it's one of the issues that we we face here, and you know, just just love on them and, and try to be real and. At the end of the day, you just got to trust God works through it. I mean, I I know that's not not like an easy step answer, but you really do. You just got to trust that God works through things like that. So, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in view of mercies of God. Now, I think, and I'm going to say some other things that you will probably remember uh, more than this line, but this is the most important thing, in my opinion, uh, of this message and of this verse— In view of the mercies of God. First, in view is like, do you see? Do you see? Do you see the mercies of God? Mercy would mean a gift, Uh, grace. Like, do you see all that God has given you? And by the way, Paul was writing to this church in Rome, uh, and some of y'all know I love history that the Christians were being persecuted and, you know, the real Colosseum that still stands now, you know, thrown in there uh, with lines, so not just like persecution of socially, uh, which you could argue we're beginning to go through now and probably will continue, but physical persecution. So he's saying, do you do you see all that God has given you? And I would ask the same question to you and to myself. I mean, I I thought about these couple words do you In view of the mercies of God, do you see the mercies of God? And you're like, "Well, what's He given me?" Well, I mean, first off, uh, if you are a Christian, uh, you really know that you are, you were hell bound for hell, okay, destined for hell, and that He has given not just heaven. Uh, But an abundant life. An abundant life uh, is not just surviving through life. It is thriving regardless of circumstances. And we have our circumstances here. Uh, And that God wants you not to just survive, but to thrive regardless of circumstances here. Okay? In view of the mercies of God. And I mean, keep pressing on this. I mean, and I can't force you and I can't make you. And I can't preach it or in conversation. It's something the Holy Spirit has to do. Do you see it? Uh, Over the sabbatical, uh, I read, I love to read, but I was uh, suggested to read a biography of this guy named John Newton. Does anybody know who John Newton is? A few. I figured you would, TJ. Does anybody know the hymn or song, Amazing Grace? Does anybody know that? Raise your hand if you do. Thank you, okay. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. And he was also a pastor in England and also in London. He mentored a guy named William Wilberforce, who they made a movie Amazing Grace out of his life, and he was a politician, and he brought up bill after bill to abolish the slave trade. Newton was the captain of a ship that uh, was a slave trading ship. I mean, his business was trading slaves. I didn't know this, and to get real, in his biography, it talks about his letters. So he took advantage over and over again uh, of African women who were slaves. This is the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. He said said lust was one of his primary battles, and he would give into it all the time as they would do these Trips from England to Africa, and then over to Charleston, South Carolina, and back to England. He wrote "Amazing Grace." I mean, that when I learned that, I was like, you know, it's like okay, it's nice, and he was, you know, generally commanded or, or piloted or whatever a slave trading ship. But then, man. So what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit worked on his heart supernaturally. But then, through people, teachers, mentors, guided him, we he ended up being a pastor uh, of this church in London. He had a hand in the abolition of the slave trade. And so his last, uh, some of his last lines or his last statement was, all I know is this, all I know is this, I am a great sinner, Christ is a great Savior. Uh, regardless of where you are, your circumstances, regardless of, uh, your denomination or past denomination or affiliation, or that's the bottom line. Now, often we like to say, well, Christ is a great Savior, and we don't like to say, I'm a great sinner. But they go hand in hand. I'm going to share a little bit more about Newton, but, uh, man, it's a, he, it's a great story. Wikipedia or something like that if you want to read a biography. But in view of the mercies of God, he saw the mercies of God. He saw the gifts of God. Uh, and that doesn't mean when you see it, you, you automatically become a pastor. Like, for example, he counseled uh, his, his friend Wilberforce to stay in politics, okay? Now, some are called to be pastors. Some are called to the mission field. But not all, but some are. But when you see the mercies of God, when you see the gift of God, it's the Holy Spirit open up your eyes. You will change. The change has begun. You will revert back, as I have, and you have and will, but the process will have begun. It's called being saved. The process has begun, and it is a process. In view of the mercies of God, he says, I urge you. Now, this is fascinating. In a couple of weeks, we're going to hit another verse where Paul says, I tell you. Here's another word. I urge you. He's like, please do this. I mean, like, you need to do this. It's like... What I'm doing up here, every, I'm urging you. But you know, some of you are listening. Some of you are like maybe checked out. Some of you are like I'm just here. Some of you are like you know I really connect. Some of you are like yeah I kind of connect or I don't connect. I'm just urging you, man. I'm just urging you. And shouting won't really do any good. It's the Holy Spirit. But Paul said, I urge you. Another place he says, I tell you. Here's what I'm urging you to do what? To present your bodies. As a living sacrifice. Think about that. Our body, so that's a physical deal. As a living sacrifice, so it's not dead. God, it, God wants you alive and full and vibrant and abundant. As a living, but a sacrifice. So I love the contrast. You know, the living word here is like just fully, totally, locked in, living but then it's a sacrifice. And that's a word that, like, I don't know about you, but I'm not like crazy about. So you have to sacrifice. And the Lord would say yes. The Lord would say yes. I think to truly be a believer, you are, you are sacrificing, you, you give things up. It's a sacrifice. So you look, man, I want to be alive and abundant. God says it's a sacrifice too. But it's good. Going on, he says, holy and pleasing to God. So this living sacrifice uh, would be holy and pleasing to God. I want to focus a little bit. I want to tell two quick stories. Uh, It's about my life. Uh, One will sound worse than the other, but the other one is actually worse than the other, if that makes sense. And it goes around the word holy. Holy. A word I've never been a big fan of. Right, sweetie? I've never been a big fan of But I've grown to like it. Holy and pleasing to God. So he's saying a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. What does that look like? You know, something that I have said here, but I really realized it over the summer is, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I mean, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a true blue. I'm an addict. Okay? Like, addicted to what? Everything. Anything. Seriously. Could be anything. Could be everything. Um, And usually it's it's meant to be an escape. Uh, Substances as an escape. Uh, And I think maybe that's part of the reason we've drawn a lot of addicts in the life of this church over, well, I mean, over our our history season. Uh, But I'm addicted to the substance and then also the, the feelings that that may not come from substances. Let me focus on the substances first. Like, alcohol has been a temptation, but it's not really like, I mean, I'm not like, I mean, I just want to get wasted every night. I've never been, uh, my brother uh, has had that addiction, and he's been to rehab. Uh, mine is more of a, uh, a stress release uh, when, I, when I go to substances. And so a big one for me has always been, uh, and I think I've said this before, but uh, it's been nicotine nicotine i never liked smoke a lot because um because i was i like to run and work out and sports and all that and this back i mean you know or at least i don't know maybe new albany um not jack i mean it was kind of cool but the uh, the dip the has always really had a hold on me um uh, some of you youth know what i'm talking about some of you adults do too but, uh, and I got into it during baseball season, growing up, which was a mistake, uh, and then you know, I'd say, okay, just during baseball season, and then in college, you know, I've had late night, you know you know throw one in, you know and, and that even went into seminary studies, but then I knocked it out, or I just I didn't have a desire for it for like twelve years or so, uh, and then I think the stress- honestly the stress of like pastoring. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I picked it back up again. I was like, man, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not drugs. Uh, it's not porn, you know. Uh, it's not boozing every night. Well, come on, you know. So, anyway, and I'd, I'd be on and off it, and I'd quit for six months, nine months, and then hunting season would roll around, uh, or then baseball season would roll around, or just life would roll around. Anyway, telling this story because... It's not just that. I mean, I can, I can be addicted to, to anything. Success, uh, performance, uh, attention, um, anything. Right, babe? Yeah, she knows. So, I was going to quit. and I have quit, by the way. For real. But, for real. <laughs> now, over the sabbatical, so I quit. Starting out. I was like, done, cold turkey, three weeks. Well, then... I was, my birthday was in June. I said, I'm going to give myself a little birthday present. I'm going to have one last hurrah of a week, uh, my birthday. We were at the beach. Man, I used to love, like, throwing in a plug and, like, you know, just, sorry, guys. I mean, that's redneck or whatever, or, you know, I told you I was getting real, man. I'd throw in a plug, man, get my book and, you know, just chill. And, of course, Linda, the boys were up in the condo, you know. It was solo, isolated life. So, <clears throat> anyway, I got busted. So I was coming down uh, at the beach, and I thought they were up there, or I thought they were going to be up there for like an hour or so, and they surprised me. And I've had this way of hiding things. I mean, I can hide well, but uh, I got into this deal where I could hide it and you kind of like, you know, do a side of the face, or you, know, you know, like. Well, you know, she busted me, and got into a big fight. <laughs> I mean, that was we got into a few. Big fights, but that that might be the humdinger because she, you know, I've sworn and I've, you know, it's done and you know all that. So this time she brought in Jack, which was really painful. So she told Jack, she said, "Jack, won't you come here?" I said, "Show him that." I said, "No." Yes, I want him to see that. He's ten. Definitely don't want him to do. That. I don't want kids to. You know, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, Nicotine can damage the body. No. It's like, yeah. So, so, anyway, Jack saw it, you know, told him and everything. He said, All right, I want you to go throw it in the trash can at the beach, you know, with Jack. And it's like, No, nah, it's cool. It's like, you know, it's just a birthday gift. I'm done in three days. It's like, No, now. So I went, throw it in the garbage, in the garbage, you know, at the beach. And it's done. So we were picking up, going back, and uh, this is when it really hit me, um, going back up, and they went up early, and, and I started thinking, like, I wonder how much trash is in that garbage can. Maybe not much, you know. Maybe it fell on, like, a decent place, you know. And so I looked in a trash can. And it wasn't that full. And I pulled out a can. You don't know this. I saved it because I was going to save it for this, this little talk. And uh, I'd love to say that, you know, I didn't get a dip out of it. But I'm not going to lie from the pulpit. Now, when I did, though, only once, it was like, man, I'm done. That's just, this is, I'm an addict. I mean, it hit, like, I'm, a, I'm looking at a garbage, I'm scrounging a garbage can. This summer, okay, I'm an addict. So, anyway, y'all may remember that story, and it's tied around the holiness, okay? The other story, and it's going to be a bit more general, you probably won't remember as much. It's a lot more important. Uh, I've done some, I've got two mentors, coaches, and did some work, actually, this summer, internally, on some readings and some Some uh, coaching conversations, but in in this situation, I saw uh, in myself uh, shame that I've carried for years since I was a teenager, coupled with some guilt. And I'm gonna be more general. I don't have so much time, and I know y'all are wanting to go with some guilt. And because of the shame and the guilt. that Say that's 50%. The other 50% has this desire to perform and succeed. And I'm talking like I'm 42, so I mean like since 17, 18, something like that. So I'm not good at math. But that has been an issue, and it's actually been a much bigger issue uh, than nicotine. That, the shame and guilt that I've carried, causing me to try to perform And to make it specific for y'all, it's like, well, I want to be uh, the most successful and I want to, um, you know, be the best leader uh, or even be the best Christian you could be or, I don't know, be king of the world and grow my kingdom uh, or be the best athlete as far as it'll take me. Uh, But think about how much of your life uh, is spent on just performing uh, for others of the world around you. And so I came to a question, like, do I even really know, like, who John Hugh Tate is? I'm not trying to be deep, and I'm, I'm asking that for y'all because I think that's a burden that we all can share. Or do I just live for, you know, for success and performing and whatever that measure is? So that story is much more damaging than, you know, anything about dip or nicotine. But you'll remember the dip, I know that. I, mean, I know how we roll as human beings, but holy and pleasing to God. Tie it back to the Bible. You're like pleasing to God is to say, "I don't have to perform for anybody." I'm a child of the risen Lord. I kneel before Him. Um, I, Lord, I carry shame, but I know You take it away in a heartbeat. You want to take it away. Um, you want to take away a desire to perform give it to you, but you have to give it over and over again because you can revert. So pleasing to God is to say, come to me. Kneel before me. Give it to me. Give me your shame. Give me your guilt. Give me this desire to prove yourself. All all of you. There's not all of you. Deacon, elder, all of you, all of us, excuse me, have this desire to prove ourselves. It is sinful. It's from the devil. It's the liar. The devil comes and says, you got to prove yourself. you got to it's not of God. God says, God says, come to me and rest. I love you. You know, I, I know you. I created you. You have gifts. I've gifted you. I have a full life for you. And it goes on forever. Why are you trying to prove yourself? That's a pleasing life to God, which is your true worship, the close of that verse. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is your true worship. We say the word worship, and I've thought about this line, or a couple words like worship. We think, yeah, music, singing, or like this style, like that style. Here's the the Bible saying this this is your true worship, your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So when I'd say what I want the worship to be about at Bellwether Church, I would say people an army, or whatever you want to call it, or dozens, or what you know, living lives as a living sacrifice, going out into the world saying, I don't have to perform. Uh, I serve the risen Lord who loves me, um, I am who I am, and uh, I go through highs and go through lows. But I know the Lord's taken me through them. I have brothers and sisters around me, um, God has given me mercy um, who live and know truly. I'm a great sinner. Christ is a great Savior. And that's worship. Actually, that worship would affect worship here, like the program worship. So renew, going back to that, uh, I want this church to be renewed uh, in a real way, in an authentic way, in a God-honoring way. Um, My life is being renewed. I believe God renews all of our lives. (laughs) Uh, and that process didn't start this summer. I mean, he's always renewing. But I will, I want to close with this. Uh, and this is from this book on John Newton that I was reading because he, uh, he talks about, and this makes it specific, he talks about or he writes about, what does a real Christian, a renewed Christian look like? What does it look like? And just throw a few things. And as I say this, I'd ask you to think about, is this me? Is this me? Because I really think this looks like, like a real Christian. I always love the Pinocchio, you know, he always wanted to be a real boy. So many people are walking around on stilts and structures. He said, I just want to be a real boy. Be a real Christian. Look what he says. And again, this is a guy who took advantage of lots of African slaves over the course of his life before he was saved, okay? He was first a broken spirit. Start a broken spirit. This is indispensably necessary, for by nature we are filled with pride. And God resists the proud, but gives his grace only to the humble. Second, a spirit free from disguise. What are you hiding? Because we're all hiding. It is said of the blessed man or woman, he is open and undisguised. Third, gentle tempers. If a man like a lion takes this medicine, he will become a lamb. He is not easily offended. He is very easily reconciled. He indulges no anger. He harbors no resentment. He lives upon forgiveness and is always ready to forgive uh, against any. Fourth, benevolence, kindness, uh, and an endeavor to please in opposition to the selfishness that is our natural character. Fifth, a spiritual mind is the beginning of life and peace. Weaned from the world and its poor toys. I like how he added poor there. It's poor toys. And a thirst for communion with God through Christ. We have work to do. But the better news is that God is at work. But to be renewed, to be revived, I like that word revival, it has to start with repentance. There, there is no renewal, there is no revival without repentance. Like, what is repentance? That's kind of a repentance is saying. I mean, Newton said it generally, I'm a great sinner. But just saying I'm a great sinner, God is a great Savior. I mean, to share, I mean, really, I mean, we need to be an open place. Like, I, I, I don't just have hurt, I have pride. I mean, I'm like, I have things that I don't like about me. I mean, but Jesus heals. And, and if you say, I have nothing to repent for, then you really, really, really need Jesus. I would say that. Hmm. Ezekiel 37, I'm not going to read it. But it's a, uh, it's a great chapter. It's a valley of dry bones. Uh, it can be dry lives, dry places. And the Holy Spirit comes and totally renews it to a living body. The power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can, and he is working. At a point, you have to see, you, have to, you really have to see the, the gifts of God. And so my prayer today, as so we take communion Next week, months to come, is that we would be renewed by the Holy Spirit. And it's not like a forced thing. It is just you see the mercies of God. You see the gift of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know, I ask for an invitation. I ask for people to come to know this because I want them to, but we can't do it, I can't do it. So I really pray that the walls that... um, that block us from you, that block us from being brothers and sisters, that block us from seeing the mercies of God, the gifts, the goodness of you. Because you're like, oh, I'm you know, be like, I'm a church, and, you know, it's, it's okay. The mercies of God, that we would see that. And that we would just willingly and gladly offer our life uh, from a peak to depression to you as a living sacrifice. nothing in this world will do that. Uh, You who created this world can. I pray they would know that. I pray they'd be convicted by your word, convicted by your Holy Spirit now uh, to give their life as a living sacrifice. I pray that relationships would be healed here and there are relationships that need to be healed. I pray that this church uh, would be a beacon to other churches and say it's not about church pride or it's not about uh, being like this church or that. It's just, it's following you. It's giving life as a sacrifice, though, and, and that is worship. So may we live lives of true worship, and you can help us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.